Well, good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you this morning, continuing our summer series, Flawed Yet Faithful. It's actually a topic that I am personally very passionate about, about because as Christians and as people who put their saving faith in Jesus, we can often have this idea that in order to be a great follower or a perfect follower, that that means that we can't have any weaknesses or downfalls or moments of, of doubt. And this is simply not true. Each person watching this morning, myself included, is on a journey where we are striving to be faithful, to listen to God's direction in our own life, all the while messing up and fumbling along the way. And so there is grace for that. And that's the whole point of our series on the last number of weeks. And so we've been journeying all throughout Hebrews 11, reading about these great heroes of faith, and yet reminding ourselves, as we just even mentioned a few moments ago, that they were not perfect either that they needed grace, that they had moments of doubt and downfall and all of those, all of those things. And so last week, Pastor Al led us through a great talk about the others, all of those people who are not explicitly mentioned in Hebrews. And it was such a great reminder that everything that we do, even the little things no matter, matter to God and they can be used. And so this morning, we're gonna turn our attention and what, talk about what it means to surrender and being willing to lay it all on the line if God asks that of you. And so to start it off, we're going to read our passage to ponder, which is in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 39. And it says, all these people, so all of these great heroes of faith, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they may not reach perfection without us. And we've been reading that every week. And the fact that all of these people, they didn't all get to see what God had promised them. They didn't get to see everything come to its fruition. And it just reminds us this morning, even before we get started, that there is more to the story that we get to participate in this story. And so this morning, we are going to be reading about Abraham, who has a, act, a fairly large story in the Bible that we can't cover all this morning. But we're going to use Hebrews 11 as our guide. And his story is found in Genesis. And just to give you a little bit of a note, he goes by Abram and then his name changes to Abraham. But for the sake of this morning and making sure that we don't get confused, we're just going to refer to him as Abraham. So let's jump right into Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. <clears throat> and it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And so we're actually gonna skip a few verses as Pastor Derry next week is gonna do a great job talking to us about Sarah, but we're gonna pick it up in verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. And if they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. 
It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his own son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And so there is a lot, a part of Abraham's story that we can learn lessons from that challenges us. And Hebrews covers a lot of those things. But in order to pack, unpack Abraham's life a little bit further, we're gonna break it down into four different aspects. We're gonna talk about his calling, his focus, his sacrifice, and then one of his flaws. I can't say that it was his only flaw. Look, let's start off this morning with his calling. And what categorizes Abraham's calling is that uncertainty didn't stop him. That even when things didn't make sense, that even when there wasn't a plan for what was gonna happen next, he still stepped out and followed his calling. And so we're gonna look at Genesis chapter 12, the very first five verses. And this is the part where God calls Abraham out of his homeland, out of everything he's ever known and into something different. So let's read that together. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your own people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse, whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then the Bible just says, so Abram went. He literally just got up, gathered his family, gathered his supplies as the Lord told him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. God literally called Abraham right from the get-go, pack up all your things, pack up your family. And I want you to get up and I want you to leave only and go to the place that I am calling you to go. That he is literally calling him out of his comfort zone and into a life of uncertainty. And as we just read, what does the Bible say that he did in response? It literally says, so Abraham went right as the Lord had told him. He didn't know what the future would hold. There wasn't any security. They didn't know what was gonna be next. They didn't have a five-year plan. Name all the things. They didn't know what was coming next. Just He just knew that God had asked him to do it, which is going to be a theme that we see all throughout Abraham's life. And Hebrews reminds us here that he did this because of his faith, not in his own might, not in his own strength, but in God's that he went there without knowing what was next. I challenge you this morning, any of you myself, how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to step out in faith to leave everything we've ever known behind if God asks, even when the road is uncertain? And I know that there are some of you watching this morning who have done that, who when God has called you out of an experience, who has called you into a different season that you have gone even when it didn't look like there was gonna be a next step even when it didn't make sense, even when you didn't have any security, that some of you have walked that in real time. And most of us actually try to do the opposite. We try to make solidified plans. We try to solidify our future. We wanna make sure that we are in control, which we're gonna talk about in a few minutes. And all of those things are good and well, but we wanna stay comfortable. And Proverbs 16:9 reminds us that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That especially if you're like me, that is a verse that it's really easy to say amen to on a Sunday morning. 
but it's much harder to live out on a Monday. That God called Abraham out of his comfort zone and into the unknown. If you know Frozen, cue the Frozen song. And yet that didn't stop him from going. The road ahead was frightening and did not look promising. And yet the God that he was following did. He knew that he could count on the God who has been faithful to him. And that was the key. Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34 reminds us, Jesus himself reminds us. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Abraham knew what he was being called to do and who was calling him and that was enough. He didn't need any more information other than God is asking me to do it. I don't know what's ahead of me, but I'm going to go. And for some of you, maybe you're at a crossroads right now. Maybe you're at that moment where you feel like God is calling you out of a season or he's telling you to step out in faith, even though it doesn't make sense. And let me remind you, even with Abraham's story, that if God is behind it, it is so worth it. And there's a well-known verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm sure most of you could recite it along with me. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And yet this verse was not said to the Israelites when things were going well. It was actually right before the people were going into 70 years of exile, not two weeks, not a year, 70 years that God was saying things are actually going to get pretty bad before they're going to get better and but he promises, just as we read in that Jeremiah verse, he promises to be with them even in the uncertainty, just as he was with Abraham, just as he is with us today. So now we're going to turn our attention. That was Abraham's calling. Now we're going to focus on, uh, we're going to look at his focus, which is his future reward, his future home was more important to him than what he might be missing out on today. And as we looked at, God literally said, I want you to leave everything you've ever known behind and I want you to step in to something new that you don't know what's coming. And why does Abraham follow that advice? Why does he follow God's command? As Hebrews reminds us, he wasn't concerned about security in this life, even though I'm sure it was important or having it all together, but instead his eyes were focused on God and who was calling him. His eyes were focused on the beautiful life of eternity that was ahead. It actually says in Hebrews that he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. How beautiful is that picture? That instead of looking ahead and seeing, I'm going to have to live in tents. People aren't going to like me that much. I'm going to be a foreigner. He can see beyond that. And he says, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with God for that city with eternal foundations. That's such a beautiful picture. And like I said, I'm sure it was not easy to leave behind and that all the emotions were there, that he probably had expectations for what his life was going to look like. Him and his wife and his family, extended family, that they had all these plans to know what life was going to look like. And yet God said, I want you to change the route, that I have something different for you. And Abraham says, I can do it because I'm looking in the right direction. And he does what Hebrews has been encouraging us to do, which is fix your thoughts on Jesus. And a verse that we've heard in this series already, it's from Hebrews 12, verse one, that this is what Abraham does. It says, therefore, 
since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, again, that is a very encouraging verse, and yet it's also really challenging for all of us. But it's so important to let that verse, to let the, our focus be on God, permeate every aspect, every moment of our lives. That we wake up, as Pastor Al even mentioned last week, that we wake up every morning and we ask ourselves, how am I living with an eternal perspective today? How does that change the way that I am with others, the way I speak about others? to stop focusing on maybe the past or even the things that you might be missing out on today and to focus on the Lord because his plans are so much bigger and so much greater than we could ever imagine. When Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, he's actually praying that he would know Christ on such a deep level through the power of his resurrection and also through his sufferings. He says, I want to know all of it. And he writes this to the church in Philippi. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Basically, I haven't arrived yet. But one thing is the one thing that I do, he says, is forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you in my own heart this morning that our focus cannot be divided as that doesn't help us get anywhere and it actually disorients us from our purpose. Just like when you're driving your car, I hope that the majority of the time, if not all the time, your eyes are on the road and not in the backseat. Because if they're on the backseat, you're not gonna be able to get where you're going. So Abraham's eyes were focused on God and because of that, he was able to step out even when things didn't make sense. So that was his calling, his focus, and now we're gonna look at his sacrifice that he was willing to surrender it all to God, no matter what the cost. Now, probably some of you know parts of Abraham's story. They're well known. And there's a part of his story that I heard very often in kids' church, and it's involving his son, Isaac. Now, to give you kind of a quick backstory, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren, meaning that she couldn't have any children. She couldn't conceive. And yet, if you remember, we just read it. God promises Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. And so the question is, how is that going to work if his wife can't get pregnant and yet he's supposed to be the father of this great nation of all these people, then how is that going to work out? And a few chapters later, actually in Genesis 21, the Lord is gracious to Sarah. We're going to talk about in a few minutes, some of that time in between, but he gives them what he had promised. He gives them a son who they name Isaac. And by that time, it's really important to note that it wasn't a year of waiting for that promise. It wasn't five years. It wasn't 10 years. They waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. 25 years of asking, waiting, pleading. I'm sure crying. I'm sure begging and watching everyone else get what they had been asking for. And finally, this is the culmination. Their son, Isaac, is born after all that time. And so Isaac grows up and a little, bit, a little bit later after that, one day God comes to Abraham. He says to him, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. If you're familiar with the New Testament, that might sound a little familiar to you. 
and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice your son as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And so the Bible says that Abraham, just like he just got up and packed up everything when God asked him, just in this moment, Abraham did just that. He packed up his supplies. He grabbed a few of his servants and his son, Isaac, and he set out for Moriah. He builds an altar and all the, all the while while they're building this altar, Isaac is asking, hey, dad, where is the animal for this burnt offering? What are we going to be using as the sacrifice all the while not knowing that it's going to be him? And eventually Abraham binds up his son and he places him on top of the wood altar. Can you just imagine that moment? This is the son that you have been waiting for. And God says, give it all up for me. Bind him, put him on that altar that I want you to literally give me what I had given you that I, I cannot imagine this moment. And then we read in Genesis 22, starting in verse 10. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Again, what a moment. And at that moment, right when it was about to happen, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. That just like Abraham surrendered his life in Genesis chapter 12, when God says, leave everything behind. And he says, okay, I'm on board. He asked him to sacrifice the son that he has been waiting 25 years for. And Abraham, I'm sure, with great despair and yet such great faith says, okay that God was testing his willingness to give up the thing that he had been praying for, to give up the thing that he was longing for and even strived, as we're going to talk about in a second, on his own to get. The test was to see if Abraham loved God more than the blessings he had given him, that that takes some, spirit, some spiritual maturity that God waited until the last moment. It could have been while they were hiking. It could have been while they put him on the altar. It could have been while they're binding him up. But they, the angel literally waits till the knife is out, is up in the air to intervene. That has God ever waited until the very last minute to come through for you? I'm sure there are some of you watching this morning that that feels so real. Maybe you've never had to have that exact experience. I hope not but that you're waiting until the very last second to hear God's voice and he shows up. And Luke chapter 14, 26, it says, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everything else, everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Jesus in that verse is not saying that we shouldn't care about other people or that you shouldn't care about your family, but it all has to pale in comparison to your devotion to Christ. That just like Abraham was willing to put it all on the line, literally, for God if he asked, to surrender and sacrifice even the things most precious to him. We have all have to be prepared to do the same. And so finally, we've talked about his calling, his focus, his sacrifice. And now lastly, we're gonna look at his flaw. Now, again, I'm not saying this is Abraham's only flaw. I'm sure that there were others, but the one we're specifically going to look at in scripture is that instead of turning to God, we just talked about all these big moments of faith. He takes matters 
sometimes into his own hands. And spoiler alert, I'm guilty of that this morning. And I'm sure you are as well. That just like we saw this theme where Abraham's life, where God is constantly asking him to give it all up, to sacrifice, to surrender. There are moments when Abraham is impatient. He's deceptive. He lies and he takes matters into his own hands and turns his trust away from the Lord. That we read in Genesis chapter 12 that God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of this great nation. And yet, as we just talked about, Sarah was barren. And so before they had Isaac, they decided to take matters into their own hands. And so instead of waiting for God to come through, they decided that Abraham would get Sarah's slave Hagar pregnant. And so she gives birth eventually to a son named Ishmael and it all goes down from, from hill from there. They're taking matters into their own hands and it results in relationships being broken, slander, banishment, jealousy, contempt, argument on this grander scale that lasts generations upon generations. Basically, Abraham, he was impatient with what God had promised him and he decided to bypass God and make his own rules. And it had some serious consequences. Remember here that Abraham already knew that Sarah was barren when God gave him that promise. It wasn't that God gave him this promise and then as they were trying to conceive, it just wasn't working. They had already established that Sarah could not have any children. And yet God says, in spite of that, you're still gonna be the father of a great nation. And so they take matters into their own hands. Now imagine at this point, by the time Abraham gets Hagar pregnant, it's about 14 years. And so we would consider that to be patient. If I said, I've been waiting 14 years for this, I would consider that in my own brokenness, patient. And yet all throughout that 14 years, God was still moving and was waiting for his perfect time. But Abraham said, I don't want to wait for that. I want to take matters into my own hands and I want to work it all out for myself. And yet, as we talked about, things went downhill. And we all do this. We all take matters into our own hands and make things want to work out sooner than maybe God's timing would ask for. We want to skip a few steps along the way. And we want to say, I want to have control. And so I want to ask you this morning, how many of you liked roller coasters? I can't see your hands, but feel free to raise your hand in your living room. How many of you liked roller coasters? The big drops, the twists, the turns, the speed, all of it. I'm pretty good with roller coasters, just not the height. I'll do the fast ones. Now, I want you to imagine getting on the fastest roller coaster you've ever been on with the big drops, the twists, the turns, the jolting, all of those things. Now, if you don't like roller coasters, I just made you feel a little sick. Don't worry, you're at home, so just take a breather. Now, imagine that as you go and you go to step on the front row, that you've been in the line for the front row, and you sit down, and there's no safety belt. And the attendant comes over and he says, hey, there's no, there's no safety belt, but because you're in the front row, you actually get this steering wheel. And your job as the person at the front of the cart is to steer perfectly. That you have to follow the track perfectly or this whole cart is gonna derail. That if you don't do that, all these people, your whole life, all these things, there's gonna be some serious disaster. How many of you would stay on a roller coaster like that? If that was you, write us in the chat and we'll make sure to pray for you afterwards. But I want, our lives are a lot like roller coasters. 
There are ups, downs, unexpected twists and turns, jolting that makes us feel disoriented and maybe a little bit anxious. And yet our lives, we have the steering wheel. God has given each one of us a steering wheel. And yet he says to us, this is such the beautiful thing. He says, I don't want you to hold on to it. I want you to let go of the steering wheel of your life and I'm gonna steer it for you. There are going to be times where there's, there's still going to be those ups and downs, those twists and turns, but I am going to be with you. You don't need to white knuckle the steering wheel. You don't need to have all the control. You don't need to be the one that feels like if you turn the wrong way, it will derail. You don't need to be the one in control of every aspect. Let go, I want to steer it for you. I'm in control is what the Lord wants to say. And I'm, there's purpose in all of it. Like I said, there's still gonna be the hard times. There's still gonna be the turns and the ups and downs, but I am the one steadily steering that you never have to be alone because you can trust me. That we, each one of us, we can let go of the steering wheel of our lives like Abraham did because we know that he's got it because we know that he cares about us more than we could ever think or imagine. And it was the moment that Abraham grabbed back onto the steering wheel and said, I don't want to wait. I'm going to figure it out on my own that things started to derail. But all the while when God says, leave your homeland, sacrifice your son. He says, I want to hold your steering wheel. I want to be in control. I am working things out even when you don't see it. And so just like he did that with Abraham, he does that for us as well this morning. That we don't need to let our emotions, our impatience, our need for success to be in control. We can let God be in control of our lives, that we can let go and surrender it all to God. As we learned from Abraham's calling, focus, sacrifice, and his weakness. That I want to live a life, I want all of us to live a life that is surrounded by surrender. That I'm not the one in control of all things, but I am handing it over to the one who is in control. And so I'm thankful for Abraham's story this morning, that it teaches us about the art of surrender.